Left. Right. Yo, what is it, my friends and Sip Talk listeners? Thank you for joining. Today's episode is an episode we are, where we are addressing your questions, and uh, we're going to do so the best we know how over drinks. So uh, sit back, listen, enjoy. I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Welcome everyone, this is episode 118 of Sip Talk. I'm in Roshka Leb's apartment. Rosh produced the podcast and uh, our setup is not our normal setup. So if you're watching us live, we might look a little funny. Hopefully we sound just as funny as we normally do. Tonight we got a handful of topics we're going to talk about. A handful of those topics within that handful. Uh, our listener ideas. So I got a lot of listener ideas. Week. Yeah, the handful inside the handful. It's a figurative, uh, figure of speech. You know, figurative speaking. And uh, we're going to talk about these ideas. I also want to talk about a little bit of Cuba. You guys in tune with what's going on in Cuba? A little bit. Um, I know that a whole bunch of people like marched in the streets wanting freedom, and then the government reacted predictably. Well, yeah, exactly. So let's uh, let's hit some of these user questions, um, and then we'll uh, then we'll get into it. So just so you guys know, while we were talking earlier about what time we were going to get started, we knew it was going to be a little bit of a later podcast. I was headed up to a Yankees game tonight on uh, uh, Yankee the Yankee Stadiums in the Bronx. Right, there's five boroughs in Manhattan. You got Staten Island that doesn't really count. And then you got Manhattan, which is kind of the main one. Then you got Bronx to the north, Queens and Brooklyn below that. And uh, the boroughs are big, right? Manhattan's kind of uh, geographically the smallest borough, but one of the highest populated boroughs. And Bronx is huge. Yankee Stadium is up in the Bronx. And you've got to take the east side trains to get up there. So I had to cross town. I crossed down today on foot. Then I jumped on the green line and uh, started going up to the Bronx. I'm, uh, you know, three, four stops away, and the guys I'm going to the game with text me, and uh, they say, uh, hey, the game is postponed because somebody's got corona. Now, I don't know who has corona. I'm guessing one of the players. But uh, they they had to postpone the whole game because of coronavirus. Three of the players. Wow. So, so you, you, you're familiar with this? Mm-hmm. So three of the players so far, because coronavirus is pretty uh, – Pretty catchy, pretty contagious, so that can spread like uh, like wild wild wildflowers, wildfire. I uh, I'm I don't know. I feel like we're in a weird place where kind of the world is slowly, very quickly forgetting about coronavirus. So like certain things just are like this, and then there's other other parts of the world that are just like super super slow. So I can do pretty much anything under the sun in Manhattan. But the second I get on New Jersey Transit, like they're, they're about to call the police if I don't have a mask on. Which is just a really weird situation to be because I can be standing in Penn Station. You, show their- you still got to wear a mask basically the whole time you're in the airport. 
until you leave the airport the, on the other side. Except when you're eating peanuts and drinking Diet Coke. Or not Diet Coke. Either way, you're slipping your mask under your chin to eat and drink, but they're still super strict about you breathing throughout the uh, the remainder of the podcast. To me, it's it, or podcast fucking a the the flight. To me, it's a li- it's a little funny. Sorry, we're making some adjustments with the lighting. Well, podcasts aren't quite that painful. Podcasts aren't as pl- painful as a flight with uh, the masks on. I would hope they're tuning in voluntarily. <laughs> Much better. Um, we're just adjusting some light on our end. So we got Rosh. If you guys are watching and not listening, you're watching. Rosh has got a massive bar behind me and another bar even further back. The bar no, is. You want to kill the TV behind you. The, the bar is very well stocked. And uh, we made a little Negroni when I got here. Then we made some uh, Moscow mules. And, uh, yeah, right? Uh, he's got some nice fresh fruit over here. You can't beat ginger in, a, in an alcoholic drink. I think it's just one of the best things ever. Ginger vodka. Ginger vodka, ginger rum. You know, you can mix ginger with a lot of things, and it makes for a great drink. On that note, I, uh, <laughs> sorry, I owe this to you guys. My name is Justin DeGiulio. I'm joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell. Philosopher, philanthropist, referee, accountant. What am I missing here? Bartender. Man of many titles. James the Bosnator Boswell. His brother David Boswell, the political scientist. You guys are in San Diego, correct? His boss. He's the boss. He's your I'm, boss. I'm his boss. Oh, for yeah, me. as of four days. Ah, so for those of you that are tuning in, James uh, took a little trip out to San Diego to interview at the company that his younger brother works at, and uh, it looks like James was offered a position, yet his younger brother got in a little interview. This is for the first week of training. This is the first week on the job. He accepted two weeks ago. All right, so James got in a level below his younger brother. Nice uh, nice power play, David, inviting him in to be underneath you. He took over my old job. It was only because my old boss left. Uh, not a bad move, though. Not a bad move. The, the sunny coast, the left coast, good place to be. You guys look a uh, little tan. You don't look red, which is nice. Every once in a while, I see James after some soccer matches looking a little, little red. Stay at the beach or anything. Or, starting to... or after three drinks. Yeah, that happens. Cigarettes. So... Let me ask, and I apologize for my late introduction. And again, we want to thank Rashka Lab for one, letting us use the space, and two, for helping produce the podcast, feeding us your guys' comments. If you're watching live, you throw some comments out there. Rosh is going to share with us your comments. So if you're watching on TikTok, you're watching on Instagram, uh, or on Facebook, Rosh is sharing those comments with us. So thank you guys for joining. Thank you to Rosh. Let me ask you guys over there in sunny California. What are you drinking over there? PBR Extra. John Walker Red out of a Kirkland mini water bottle. Wait, it looks like you're drinking a, uh, some apple juice, David. What exactly is that? This is Johnny Walker Red. Ah, okay. The paper cups started to bleed through. We were using them too much, so we had to go to plastic. 
it's a, so so there's a weird thing with paper cups. Um, you know, when you when you put a, a warm beverage or a room temperature beverage in a paper cup, it holds up. When you put a cold beverage in a paper cup, an ice cold beverage, the outside of the cup starts to you get a little condensation on the outside of the cup, and then the water, the moisture on the outside of the cup, there's no wax barrier on the outside. So the outside of the cup starts to, uh, I don't know what the word is for it, but it- Break down? It, yeah, basically it loses its integrity. The reach. No, no, the man knows his fucking drinkware. He knows that when he's at a picnic, don't give me the paper cup. It ain't gonna last. Either way, I'm, my bourbon. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned with the integrity of the cup, that's all. All right? You, you, you clearly know your stuff. I defer to you on, on these matters. He knows his oh. Alcohol much more than he knows his words. Thank you for that. So, but my, but I but what I don't understand is I understand how you could put a cold drink in a paper cup, and the outside of the cup doesn't hold up because it, the the moisture permeates from the outside in. Now, when you're drinking an alcoholic beverage in a paper cup, typically with a light wax lining, for whatever reason, especially if it's straight liquor, it eats through that cup. What how? seems immediately you can see it seeping through from the bottom around the outside just immediately into the bottom and just disintegrating and it, and it permeates up that ridge alongside that cup what what causes that what what is the deal with that the i i assume the alcohol has to has to get through that wax barrier faster than a, a liquid then i didn't hear what james said Alcohol is a, is a mild solvent. Think about when you need to get gunk off of some glass, some stickers from the store. What do you grab? You grab rubber. Oh, I always, I always have a beer when I'm doing that. You're right. When I get stickers that are stuck in there, I always grab a beer. <laughs> help, me, help me solving my issues. Yo, let's hit some of these viewer questions. All right. So we got these questions. Um, and uh, some, of these, some of these, I think, deserve a little attention. Some might deserve a lot of attention. We're going to give them our attention, but here they are. Somewhere uh, in between. What's that? <laughs> a little, a lot, and then our attention. Somewhere in between half-assing it and diving down a rabbit hole. And three-quarter-assing it? Honestly, I think it really depends on David's mood. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, by the way, uh, Raj uh, just brought me a Dos Equis and a Stella. I'm trying to drink a little light because... My Yankees, Yankees game I was going to got canceled. I was going to go out, watch the game, have some dinner out there. And I was on the east side. So Rosh and I met up. We got to catch up for a little while. We shot the shit, which was, which was a nice, you know, Rosh and I haven't done that one-on-one in a while. And uh, I got to head back to Midtown and pick up my oversized pickup truck, which is sitting in a parking garage, and then drive 40 minutes into Jersey. So, um I gotta stay reasonably sober. Point being, let's hit the viewer questions. So Candace says, uh, Candace would like each of our inputs on the spiritual journey. I know for you guys this is the big one. Spiritual journey of what? So next question. Uh, no, so so I think. Uh, Obviously, the the three of us not super religious guys, and I wanna I wanna give uh, Candice a little little attention on the question. I think uh, 
neither one of us is too familiar with a spiritual journey, right? It's just not a journey that we've ever really engaged in. But for some people, in my experience, for some people when, uh, I can't think of it, this is my perspective on it, but when certain people hit rock bottom, then they start a spiritual journey. I don't typically find people are doing super well and then they hit a spiritual journey. Are you, do you guys, you see what I'm, what I'm getting at on this? This you want to weigh in, California? This isn't spiritual. This is just me being selfish. I wanted to live in California, so I'm doing it. Uh, I want to live in San Diego, so I'm doing it because that makes me happy. I don't think it's so much a spiritual journey. There's well, there, is, there, is, is there a spiritual element to it? Well, it does. There, there are certain aspects where it feels like, yes, it's meant to be, but I don't know if that's spiritual. What do you think, Justin? I, You've fallen into place before. Has it been spiritual for you? It's 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 not. I've fallen out of place. I've fallen into place. For me, it hasn't been spiritual. If I if I if I wasn't super familiar with myself and my surroundings, and I didn't know what to blame it on, I might say it was spiritual. Right? To me, I think when people go deep into addiction and find their way back, part of that twelve step process is uh enlightenment in the spiritual sense and blaming the you know the god somewhere along the lines for me i i don't i don't quite understand that spiritual journey because it's just not something that i attribute any of my own personal journey to i don't attribute any of my personal journey to anything spiritual some people do what i'm saying is i see that when people hit a really deep low and start moving up they have faith in some in some higher power, and that tends to be attributed to a spiritual element. Well, we have a very close family member who was at a pretty pretty close to rock bottom low in terms of alcoholism, and at this point is leading his own groups in a not AA setting, not twelve step program, because our as we said, our family doesn't really go into the faith aspect, and AA is super faith based, and. I think if you were to ask him what his journey has been like, I don't think spiritual would be in any of the words that he uses to describe it. I think, it's, I think that's not where our family draws value. But I think that has a lot to do with it. So the, the comment from Candace on, you know, share some of your spiritual journey or something like that. I don't think any of the three of us would really attribute any of our journey to anything really spiritual. And what I have in my life to compare to compare to other spiritual journey isn't something that I can I can draw relevance in my life to. Yeah, look at so I just don't understand anything spiritual because I'm generally against metaphysics, which is the philosophical study of like intangible things. So metaphysics would be like love or knowledge or really anything spiritual. And there's a paper written by A.J. Ayer that I really like where he talks about metaphysics. And he says, um, metaphysics is about the things that you cannot touch. Therefore, you cannot sense them. So therefore, metaphysics is all talk about nonsense. I feel like that's a step. I can feel love. No, you feel other things you don't like you don't feel love there's nothing you can't touch or sense love his argument would be that 
love is really just a series of chemical reactions in your brain. And that's the sensible part of it. I love drinking. <laughs> but that's the same argument with vision. Spiritual. So spirits. Yeah. Spiritual journey. Look, either if I listen to God or if I listen to the whiskey, the spirit guides me. So I'm good. Well, and that's and that's where I think the spiritual journey comes from is having an basically assigning reason to uh, assigning source to reason. I don't think he's getting the play on words. No. Here's what I'll say. At my at my the worst parts of my life, those are what that's what caused my drinking. Uh, when my last relationship ended hilariously, that, that was some heavy, heavy drinking. When I didn't get into grad school a few months ago, that caused some heavy, heavy drinking. And it was on me. Uh, well, James really helped with the, the breakup thing in Charleston and picking myself up and helping me put things back together. But after grad school, that was all me. I said, you know what? I don't really want to be drinking right now. This is really depressing. And I just started biking 30 or 40 miles a day, which is a different kind of addiction. But it got me out of the house and it got me to stop thinking about it. And then this job opportunity presented itself. And maybe to Candace's point about spirituality, things being preordained or meant to be. I Right now, I feel like I didn't get into the grad school program I had set my heart on and moved to Sacramento for two years ago. And now I'm like, well, I'll cry into my bed every night living a block away from the beach in San Diego. So things have worked out. Again, I don't know if I'd call that spiritual you use the word preordained and james shook his head i that's i i I am against anything that deals with fatalism so anything being preordained or meant to be i have a visceral reaction i know but to me it feels meant to be the first time i I don't have that look as somebody who kind of splits splits in the middle there james has a a, a adverse reaction and and david you can assign something like oh the puzzle is finally fitting together these are the way the pieces Again. It feels that way in the sense of I've been wanting something to come together in terms of having a job I care about, seeing an actual path in a career. My friends in Sacramento, one's a teacher with his master's, the other runs a couple different programs for an amazing farm to take, uh, getting uh, small family farms access to different markets. My other friend's a programmer, loves his job. For the longest time, I've been working these meaningless jobs, so it's nice to find meaning in something. When I say it feels like it's meant to be, it's really just... I came to San Diego about seven years ago with my ex visiting her family and I fell in love with this place. And now after all these years, somehow I've worked my way back and now I can actually afford to live here, which I didn't think I'd really ever be able to do. So this so is a- It's just something I've thought about a long time and I've been working towards it, maybe not knowing that's where I was going or making that a possibility for me, but. Okay, so you're building this infrastructure to get back with your ex, I understand. <laughs> I look at it as I hang, hang I just I want to share a quick point that we have in my office when it comes to getting deals and getting listings and the saying I don't know exactly where this came from but the saying is that luck is the residue of design which I think James you'll be able you'll be able to comprehend that very well David understood it right just like that but basically if you're getting lucky it's because you've lined yourself up for luck your past actions whether or not you like exactly directed them for that, it's that all of your past actions have lined you up to be where you are right now. There's that one guy that was walking a lot one day said, hey, can you tell me a little bit about that, about this car? And you go up, you don't pressure him, you don't do anything, you just give him a great opportunity, you explain everything, answer his questions. He says, 
awesome, thank you, walks away, and you don't pester him. And then a month later, he comes back and says, I'm buying a car from that guy. That's not, it might feel lucky, but that's not luck. You you earn that by going and doing the right thing. Well, also, what you knew, but, but you knew your shit, which is an additional aspect of the design, is that you knew your shit when it came to telling him everything he needed to know, and he knew that you were the most knowledgeable person in the room. Yeah, I, for me, fatalism is the confusion of coincidence with causality, where and if you and to the point about luck. And so, like, the harder you work, the more likely good things will happen for you. And the more likely that unlikely events are are going to happen for you as compared to someone who hasn't worked as hard. You can think about here's an easy example. If you look at like someone who's a pro surfer. So they're really good at reading waves and how they're going to break and how they move or whatever. And so you look and say, who's the most likely person to catch the wave of the day? It's going to be the pro surfer. Not because they got lucky and caught the best wave of the day, but because they put themselves in position to be able to catch the wave of the day. Exactly. And that's and that's right along. Yeah. And, and, and I think, but that's where we're not finding that spiritual element. We're assigning those, we're assigning the, the effect to a different cause. No, because I think we all like to feel, especially the three of us, like to feel proud for our accomplishments. And in control of the outcome, you know, of, of where I'm at. Look, if something bad happens to me, I want it to be my fault. I'm really upset when it's someone else who causes me harm. Like the guy who wasn't paying attention to his dog uh, on the sidewalk had the leash all the way out. I was just walking by and the dog comes up, bites my arm, almost breaks the skin. I'm like, I'm annoyed, not because of the dog. It's not the dog's fault. I'm annoyed at the person because it was their fault. I couldn't control that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta back, I gotta back you up a little bit though. <laughs> You're a little younger than James and I. And uh, look, if, if I was walking down the street and a dog bit me, I would look at that as a great opportunity to punch a dog in the face. That's it. All right. Rosh dog. I, I, I came to Rosh's apartment. Rosh dog came out. He greeted me. He was very exuberant, you know, very jumpy. And Rosh was like, oh, no, no. I hope no. He didn't scratch you. I hope he didn't scratch you. He can scratch you. His nails are, are long. I was thinking, like, I don't really like if the if the dog's happy and he scratches me and like, it, you know, scratches my skin, that's fine. You're thinking that he almost broke the skin to me is like, well, if he did break the skin, like, you know, at least he didn't like chew off the muscle on your arm. And, you know, and, and had he chewed off the muscle on your arm, then you would have an issue. But if the dog bit you and, and life life went on, you know, I, 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 I think happened, all right. it happened so quickly that I didn't even realize what happened until like a few seconds later, I felt my arms falling up and I was really annoyed at that point. I was like, hey. Then we talk, but that's a stupid were you, were you lawsuit annoyed? Yes. Yeah, but I never actually followed I through. Not. I hope not. And that's what I'm getting at. If Rice Dog and Scratch Me or Bit Me. Let let's greet uh let let's greet our viewers and also thank you, Ross, for putting everything through as always. But Maria Salas, thank you for viewing. Hello to you. Uh, all right. So we're gonna get on to Candace's next uh next statement. She'd like us to talk a little bit about narcissism. Because that's a topic that we we just slightly touched on the last episode. Uh, unfortunately, by the way, our video quality 
on Instagram is really, really, really lousy. So if you guys are watching on Instagram, you want to switch over to TikTok, do so. Also, we're on Facebook Live right now. Um, but Candace wanted us to talk a little bit about narcissism. In what way? I'm not sure. It was spiritual journey, comma, narcissism, comma, making friends as an adult. So narcissism, uh, James and I, uh, David, I don't know if you were there for the conversation, but James and I basically decided that everybody's a little bit narcissistic. narcissistic. Everybody at the end of the day is looking out for themselves. And whether they're doing so privately, publicly, how hard they're working out, working on looking out for themselves or how manipulatively they, they're working on looking out for themselves really defines how narcissistic they are. And narcissism it has a, a manipulative aspect to it when it becomes a problem, right? But I, I think at, at the end... Right. Saying that everyone's a bit narcissistic is a bit of a broad brush. I think that to call someone narcissistic, I think there's a, there's a threshold. Everyone is, to a certain extent, self-interested, but what defines a narcissist? I think it is that they are willing to step on anyone's necks to get ahead, that everything is about. I, I think it, there, there is a line there. I, w I wouldn't do that. I'm like pull up the DSM criteria on narcissism. So, yeah, James is pulling up. I'd like to hear the official definition of narcissism, but I think really when you, when you transition across, when you transition from the Manip the, the manipulation aspect of it is when it gets a little funky. That's when it becomes true narcissism. Again, I think everyone has self-interest, but if you're conflating self-interest with narcissism, I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree that everyone is a little bit narcissistic. I think everyone is a little bit self-interested. But to me, narcissism, narcissism is a bright line. Okay, so here we go. You must hit five out of the nine criteria here. Okay? One, grandiose sense of self-importance. A preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Three, a belief that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high-status people or institutions. Four, a need for excessive admiration. Five, a sense of entitlement. Six, Interpersonally exploitative behavior. Seven, a lack of empathy. Eight, envy of others or a belief that others are envious of him or her. And nine, a demonstration of arrogant and haughty behaviors or attitudes. Dude, I used to think I was super narcissistic, but just pretty chill about it. Now I think I'm not narcissistic at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like this view of self-importance. Uh, start from the beginning, because I think like number two and number three. Just okay. Hit them again. A grandiose sense of self-importance. Okay. A preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. All right, hold up. Go, go, go back for a second. <laughs> look at an engine. Look at a car engine. All right. I look at myself as part part of a car engine in something that's relatively a, a good vehicle, right? Like, let's call it, like find a German vehicle, BMW, Audi, Mercedes. Now I look at myself in my life as part of one of those vehicles, not as a vehicle overall. And I think I have a, a 
I think that I'm part of something good, but I don't I don't think that I am controlling the car. So you take any aspect of that engine. What's the most what's the most important part of a car engine? The head? Yeah, the seal that you still have compression. So you guys have two completely different answers. No. No. The it's, head and the seal. The head which stays on top and I mean he's talking we, about the head gasket really. Yeah, we're Mine's the thirty cent piece that's going to fail. His is like the twelve hundred dollar piece that's going to fail. Exactly, exactly my point. So what I'm saying is, I'm a component. I'm a component in in a bigger thing, but I wouldn't think that I'm. And I like to think that I'm part of a successful movement, but I don't think I'm the most important part. I like also important. We we couldn't hear what you were saying. We're just talking about car parts. There's like maybe oil filter. It's like no fuel pump. That's the heart. That's the thing that actually pumps the fuel through it. But you're right, especially in an organization like yours. No, you're the engine that's driving things forward. But if you don't have good wheels, good suspension, a good body, it's going to fall apart. That's or, my thinking you know, is that is that like I'm not the organization as a whole. I'm a part of the organization. Island. And anyone who thinks they are is probably a narcissist or homeless. I was going to like very when Justin said what's the most important part, he, I thought he was going to say car and not engine. I was going to say the wheels. Well, because, the, the brakes are handy. No, 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 no. Because you can go somewhere without brakes. You can't go anywhere without wheels. Well, well, I would know firsthand that you can go somewhere without brakes. You can go somewhere without an engine. You could if it's downhill mostly. All right, what was the third one? Third one. You believe is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions. Yeah, I, I'm realizing I'm not, I, I know I'm not a special dude. <laughs> like, there's no question, there's no question about that. So I'm, I'm cutting against the argument of everyone's a bit narcissist. I don't, I don't think I, I wouldn't be on this podcast with the two of you if I was spending an hour out of my week every week. This is for narcissistic and, personality disorder though. But it, it's defining narcissism. I'm not saying that either of you are coming even knocking on the door of five or three. I'm saying that, yeah, you can look at the DSM and diagnose yourself with anything out of one or two of them. Uh, but yeah, there's you're not hitting five. You're not hitting five. So, <laughs> so now that we've defined now that we've defined narcissism, let's uh, let's address uh, Candace's third point in her question, which I think is well, because what's that? Adults. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No. No advice. You don't have any advice on making friends as, as adults. You guys are both relatively new to a city. Do you have friends in the new city? No, I don't. I had friends in my old city because I moved to the city where my college best friend had lived, and he was a social butterfly and had a huge social network. I know nobody here. I've lived in Charleston for 13 years. I, I have what I would consider to be two friends. And a lot of these friends you had from before Charleston. So these two friends I, would, I, I made in Charleston. Dumb Tom and Smart Tom. So, uh, so uh, then let me address the question: Making friends as an adult. You guys maybe not, uh, maybe not uh, the the two to speak as ad advisors on making friends friends as an adult. But really, do I think I think one of the biggest issues that people have with making friends is they're expecting someone that's going to understand them hundred and ten percent. And they're also expecting someone that they're going to understand 110%. And you're expecting to find this true love 
as as a friend and and you're missing you're missing a lot of what a friend is and to me a friend is 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 butch cassidy in the sundance kid people that'll do pretty much anything for each other but they want to have fun doing it right butch cassidy sundance kid at the end of the end of the movie you know spoiler alert they uh they run out and i think they're they're in mexico yeah they're somewhere in Mexico, and they're like, "Look, you know, we we've had a fucking blast getting here. We're gonna shoot our way out of here, and and we're gonna get shot and die trying. But we had a lot of fun together. Now these guys, they met. <laughs> Point is, yeah. How is, is this? Is, is this going out in a blaze of glory with like the one other person that shared the journey with you? Yes, that's exactly. It. You're 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 finding someone to have fun with, and then die. That sounds and, like. And pass the time with it's it's a lot like marriage and it's 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 a lot of, it's a lot of the reason why relationships today are not super successful is that people define what their wants are as something that's completely unattainable and at the end of the day you're looking for someone to have fun with and and at, you know when it comes to a friend especially where you're not going to be intimate with you need someone that you can to- tolerate I think is is a tough way to put it. But you want somebody that you're going to have fun with, right? And that you can share certain things with. And I have a lot of close friends that that you know don't infiltrate ninety nine percent of my life, or ninety percent of my life, or seventy percent of my life. But when we're hanging out, we have a boatload of fun, and for the most part, we do we do a lot for each other, and we put ourselves out to take care of that other person because you value the fun times you have together. But how do you make friends as an adult? So what I'm saying is define what a friend is to you, right? Like let's let's rationalize what a good friend is and what a friend that you want in your life is. Now, how do you make a friend? Where do you make friends? So you can sign up for some meetup groups and meet some other weirdos who also can't make friends in a conventional, natural way. That's that's step one. Find shared interests. Yeah, find shared interests. So you're joining a Facebook or a meetup group with people with uh, common interests. And you're hanging out with those people. Those social settings, <coughs> to me, feel uh, a bit funny. But it's really easy to make friends from that. I can, we can see James in the background just pounding whatever drink that he's, he's poured for himself. Drop that PBR before he opens another one. That's the rule, Justin. You don't open another beer until you've killed the first. No wounded soldiers. No. Fuck that noise. We don't waste alcohol here. We're not heathens. But I, I think about finding a good friend is putting yourself in social settings one. And and then there has to be a little bit of this uncomfortable first date situation. Hey, I'm doing this. Wanna come? Hey. One of the things I'm gonna really make a point at is as you point out, I'm moving to a brand new city that I've never lived in before. James saw my new apartment today. It's a cool little, uh, like, four walls around a pool. Nice little pool. Nice little apartment a block away from the beach. I think I'll be able to go out and meet people here. When I was out here a month ago, I went to a bar and ended up enmeshing myself in a group of people. Here, it seems a little bit easier. I think you need to find a place where you, not not a place where you fit in, but a place where you feel comfortable. And then it's a little bit easier to put yourself out there. Me in Charleston, South Carolina, I didn't really feel comfortable there ever it just didn't feel good here i don't really uh, it's a lot different 
Well, you're in a much more liberal place and you're a super liberal guy. So you, yeah. you instantly share values with people that you've never met. And you just, that's a given, right? Like sharing values. For me, somebody who will have no friends and just go chill at a bar and then start conversation with people around them. To me, that that's a you know that's an upper hand when it comes to making friends. But point is, you can't just go home and watch Netflix and expect to meet friends. No. And I think a lot of a lot of and you know I don't know Candace, but I think I think a lot of the perspective is when are when are friend worthy people going to come to me? Well, you have to go find them. Well, you yeah. have to go. And like we talked about last week, one of the biggest things for James and I is flakiness. If I can't count on you or you're going to flake out on plans, that that's one of the hardest things too, is it, making new good friends in a new city is like dating. You're just not trying to sleep with them. It is. It's a lot like, it's a lot like dating. It's a lot like dating minus the sexual attraction, but trying to find somebody to pass the, pass the time with. Um, I want to move on a little bit because I actually realized we were kind of deep into this episode and uh, we got a lot still to talk about. Emily KJ uh, wants to know about worst dates. <laughs> that, you know what? Hold on a second. That's such a good question that we need to do that as its own episode. Okay, but let me let me just ask. Ron, should we more? I got a good one. I got a good one. Um. I'd like a story from each of you. I've told my worst date story, uh, I think, online before, about the only person that I ever ghosted and then asked her to be my friend 17 times on LinkedIn, which is a little of a weird situation. James, you remember me talking about this? Yep. Yeah, I had a really terrible date. It wasn't a first date. It was, you know, we dated a few times, but she just, she made me really uncomfortable and I was super broke and she spent a lot of my money. And uh, and just ended up just being a weird person, making everybody else uncomfortable in the bar, pouring drinks, knocking a waiter's uh, plate of drinks, of eight or ten drinks all over the table, and uh, all over the people that were that were sitting at the table next to us, and just not get not even not even saying I'm sorry, just pretending that it didn't even happen, and uh, it was a, it was a weird it was a weird date. And, and all right. what's your bad date story? Uh, my bad date story is in Charleston, met this girl on Bumble, everything was on the up and up, sounded really good, we are going to go out for a drink, and then uh, she said, hey, let's go watch a movie back at your place, and I wasn't going to say no. So we had had a drink, uh, just one drink, so I, I was driving back, but she had gotten dropped off, and there's something a little bit funny about it, and then she had a drink, and then it really started to hit that she was three sheets to the wind, she was gone, I was like... This is not what I signed up for. I, I was looking forward to watching a movie and may, may, maybe feeling like may, maybe making out and, and cuddling. I don't know. Anywho, she decides, hey, I want to go dancing. And I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just pause you. So she wanted to watch a movie with you and then she wanted to go dancing? We went back to my place and we were starting to watch a movie and she all of a sudden perked up and said, let's go dancing. Was she on drugs? She was drunk. Drugs? Really drunk. Someone else dropped her off. She pre-gamed this date hard. And I was not 
was like, hey, if you want to go dancing, that sounds fun. I, I can't do that. That's not, I have to wake up for work tomorrow. I have to go dancing, my friend. Okay, I'd be happy to, I, I will pay for your Uber. I'm sorry that I can't make this work out for you. And then she continued to scream at me that I wasn't trying to sleep with her and trying to keep her. It was like, no, no, I'm calling the Uber right now. Why are you so mean? No, 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 you're drunk. I'm not playing this game, and I'm paying for your Uber. It's it those those early those early dating interactions where like you have somebody like have somebody else at your house, and you don't really know them, and their motivation is a little different. It's that, that that's some weird shit. That is some. It was. It's just always fun as the guy being yelled at as why don't you want to sleep with me? It's like because you're fucking drunk. I don't want. I don't want anything to do with that. I was hoping for a bit more organic chemistry than just straight yeah, ethanol. That's against the rules. Not ethanol, but whatever alcohol is in is in alcohol. You need to be conscious. You need to be consenting. You need to be game. You need to be into it. Otherwise, like this it's isn't going to happen. No, even no. Sure, we can have sex. No, no, no. Like I want you to want to. Otherwise, I'm not into it because that feels weird. And like you're fulfilling an obligation and i'm 31 i've been having sex for 15 years i i don't i don't need to deal with that just for a lay that's okay all right james you got a nice worst date story i'll try to make it quick <laughs> was that the was that the basic premise of the worst date <laughs> high school um i had very little experience with women Met a chick on AOL Instant Messenger. How do you meet somebody on AOL Instant Messenger? <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't know. It, it, I knew her through like some like she went to school in like Rotterdam, so I must have met her through like somebody that like I. It wasn't like a, just a random encounter. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend. Senior year. Divisions. No, 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 no. I think it was junior year. But whatever the case is. I meet her and we're like, yeah, we're going to go out. Like, we'll meet up together. And she, like, she's like, yeah, my parents are out of town or my uncle's out of town. I got a house that we can go back to. I was like, all right, I'm all for this. And the pictures that she sent to me were pretty good. But when I, so we meet up at like Schenectady Mall or whatever mall is out there. And she's like, yeah, I'll be with my friend and then you can come pick me up and we'll go back to the house. I'm like, all right, cool. And so I meet up with her and like, there's a resemblance to the pictures. But there was like a pound of makeup on her face, and like her teeth were all just in like different directions. And uh, I was like, I, I, no, no, this, this, this wasn't on the pamphlet. <laughs> so I, the, I feel like I was in that critical need to know information. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm like, I can't go through with this. But I also didn't want to make her feel bad because, like women get sensitive about that kind of stuff. I knew that even as, as a high schooler. So I had to find a way of bailing on this date and not and like passing up what was like right there for me. And I was like, no, no, this, this can't happen. So the, like we were supposed to get snow that night. So like we park outside this house and she's like, I gotta go around back and make sure that I can get in. And while she did that, I had about a 45 second window. So I quickly call up my dad and I say, hey dad, you remember how you said that if I was ever in a situation that I wasn't comfortable or anything, I could call you guys and you would bail me out. And he's like, yeah. He's like, all right, cool. Um, here's what you need to do. In about a minute and a half, call me out. You're gonna, <laughs> you need to 
tell me. Flip phone days, by the way. This is his, his flip phone's about to ring three minutes later. It, call me up in about a minute and a half. Tell me that I need to come home right now because you don't want me driving around during a blizzard at night. He's like, uh, and I said, I'm going to argue with you, and you just need to say no. You need to come home right now and don't listen to my arguments. <laughs> so to my dad's credit, he did call and he did a terrible job acting. <laughs> I was like, look, I'm sorry, I can't, like, this is my family's car. They're not letting me drive in the snow or whatever. Like, I'll go <laughs> off where you need to go, but, like, he was probably three sheets. Oh, he probably was, but whatever they can bailed <laughs> out by my dad as, like, a 16 or 17-year-old to just, like, eject seat out of this date. And I was like, I'll drop you off wherever you need to go, but, like, I'm sorry, I can't. And then I never talked to her again. I feel shitty about it, but at the same time, I would have, like, I, I couldn't go through it. With You'd it. feel shittier if you had. I don't uh, know. Yes, to, I to our parents' credit, they were very understanding about our teenage wobbles. <laughs> Foibles. That's true. And I, I'll give your parents credit, is, is, especially as a. Yeah, this is um, after the, uh, the second uh, lake party. <laughs> but uh-huh. anyway, that was my bad first date, was where I had to get bailed out my, by, by my dad. I, I've got others, but that's just the one that I tell. All right. So so next question from Shahira says, interview you. I think she wants to interview us. That's not. I don't think that's – she's not here to in, do any interviewing. So We'll have to do that. She, as she, has, she has to call in. Yeah. Call in. Don't, uh, don't forget, guys, I know this is kind of a shitty episode if you're watching live because the video is all fucked up. The audio isn't on point. And uh, – and David helps contribute to the shittiness of all the episodes. You see him smirking in the in the background. What the fuck! That, that's <laughs> the second time you've come at me for no. Yeah, I mean, like I I like having you here, David. I like your perspective. I I, I like having you here. But um, we can't we can't have you interview us. We can't have you ask questions unless you guys call in. So if you're listening live, or if you're not listening live, don't forget you got the number you can text, and we'll send you the call in link. The number to text is two one two. Two three nine, one eight three nine. You text that number. We'll send you a link to call in. You call in. We'll bring you on. You can share. You can tell. You can tell. Uh, tell David how racist he is. We, we know David is a really, really bad, bad dude. So I think it's a good idea. Is like some of our regular listeners. So like Shahira, um, Lisa, and Maria, and there's a few others out there. Um, like we could do like some interview episodes with y'all, but like it would be probably best to have y'all call in so we can answer the questions live in real time. Yeah. So, but point is, yeah, we'd love to have you guys call in. It's a lot easier to to respond to voice and have dialogue, um, you know, rather than just kind of read your comments. But um, and we'll get there. But you guys got to call and hit that number. Next question. Next question is from Doug Perkins. Uh, Doug is. Uh, a South Carolina guy. He's a real estate agent now, and he uh, he asks, uh, "Is antique shopping therapeutic for you?" Yes. Now I I have a feeling that David might be more into antiques and and spent more time antique shopping than James. Only because I have more motivation to go find really cool old things, but James likes them too. He's just not as into it as I am. I like it when people find them for me. Yeah, and, and you don't have to pay for it. I don't even mind paying for it. Guys, I looked at a uh, a sideboard, almost like a TV console type type thing, at an antique store last weekend. It was $14,000. Uh, 
And I was, I was saying like, wow, like this is cool. I, I, I'm probably gonna buy this. Um, what's, what's the price tag on this? And I was thinking like 800 to two grand. Like if it was in that range, like on the high end of the range, I'd hem and haw, maybe you have to come back to the store. It was 14 fucking thousand dollars for this antique console. It was very nice, kind of this mid-century type piece, very cool. Um, but no fucking way I was spending, you know, uh, we got kids in and out of the house every other weekend. You got people putting their, their drinks down without coasters. I'm sorry about that, Raj. I hadn't, I'm at Raj's house. I haven't been using a coaster. Um, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, but there was no way I was going to buy a $14,000 uh, piece of furniture and let it depreciate to about $40 worth of furniture over the course of the next 18 months. Uh, but I do enjoy... I love antique shopping. I love old furniture. I like finding really good deals. And I like, if you've had, David, you're moving, James. I'm just sitting. David, uh, James, you've recently bought a house. So you know what it's like furniture shopping. Dude, I already had all my stuff. James, I was at your apartment. I feel like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like there could have been more stuff that was transported. And, and Come to my house. What's that? Come to my house. I'm going to. I will. But but point is, is when you move, you got to buy new furniture, oh. and uh, it's uh, it's tough these days because a lot of the furniture you can find online it might look cool, but it's really really crappy. For the first time in my life, I actually am moving into a completely blank slate apartment. Every time I've moved in with someone else, that was college. That was moving in with James. That was moving in with my ex. That was moving in with James's ex. Oh. Uh, former colleague that was moving out to Sacramento every time I've never had a blank slate. So I'm going to be hitting the, uh, the estate sales pretty hard to your point about finding deals. That's why I love it. You know, that James and I, all right, uh, full disclosure to all the viewers, James and I are really weird about fancy pens. I found a 1927 Parker dual fold fountain pen at an estate sale it cost me $2. I could have turned around and sold it the next day for 300 and it's something I really enjoy. I knew something about, and I saw, I was like, how much do you want for that? Ah, two, three bucks. Okay. Here, $3. Here, here you go. Here's a fiver. Keep the change. So <laughs> I, I love it for, I, I love it when you know more information than the person selling the item. And that's a really great feeling. Maybe it's because we're Jewish. I don't it know. Has to be. But I, I, I love a deal. All right, next question. All right, so next, actually, we got a question on here from uh, Shahira on TikTok, and she said, what do you spend money on? Liquor? Marijuana? Sorry, cannabis. I got chewed out for saying marijuana at a party two years ago because marijuana has racist undertones. Marijuana doesn't have racist. It's be called cannabis. Or, yeah. You know, Yes, it does. Let, let's not get into this debate. I feel like I feel like the marijuana has racist undertones. Is the the dog bit me, but could have penetrated my skin? <laughs> no, back in the early 1900s, yeah, the marijuanos which were talking about it. the Mexicans. That, that it was a derisive term for Mexicans. Anywho, right. so you spend your money currently on marijuana and booze, James? How about you? Um. Bike stuff, video games, computer parts, 
Magic the Gathering cards. Um, losing stock trades. Cryptocurrencies. I bought some secondhand clothes lately. A bunch Rock, of stuff. Rock, Rock said cryptocurrency. I spent my money on on booze and uh, and Home Depot lately. So I'm not to the furniture point because I'm still doing renovations. Oh, it's, golf clubs and golf. What's that? Golf. Yeah, I'm not much of a golfer, but yeah, for me, I enjoy I enjoy furniture shopping and antique shopping. I don't know if I find it therapeutic or more frustrating. I, I think I find it more frustrating when I need, like when I really need furniture and I'm like, fuck, I would have thought that shit would have cost 40 bucks, but it's really four grand. Like it's just a fucking lamp. You know, like that's, that's when it's non-therapeutic. Um, all right. Mish Ke uh, Cavarano says, what do you guys think of Instagram models? So I think kind of what she's getting at is you get these hot chicks taking their clothes off, showing themselves in skimpy bikinis, they get their ass out. Um, I actually think this is a really good conversation topic. You see these super hot chicks on Instagram, they got a lot of skin showing. What are your thoughts on that? My, my thought on it is that I really don't like when they are photoshopping themselves to make them to make themselves look more attractive and creating an unrealistic image like i have no problem with someone who's super pretty like, advertising themselves as such but don't false advertise by like changing by by editing the picture to make yourself in a way that's either not you or unattainable for anybody because it's physically okay. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Name name a really nice car. Ferrari three hundred and sixty Medina. All right. So you you see a, a Ferrari three hundred and sixty Medina online. You buy it, right? You save up. You're feeling good. You're feeling confident. You drop the money. You still got that money. You got still got extra money in your bank account. So it's not like you spent all your money. You buy this car. You continue to advertise that car online. I don't follow this at all. Well, is the car still for sale? No, I own it. Okay, but if you're an Instagram model and and, and you're selling and you're selling, you know, you're advertising your body basically. You're assuming that they have a relationship. We're just talking about the advertisement. Okay, well that's what I'm getting at, and I think what she was getting at is like, what do you guys think of Instagram models? I mean, obviously, like we're dudes, we look at hot hot chicks, and and someone that self-absorbed. But that's my point. Is is that's where this conversation, that's where this conversation needs to go. Sure, but I don't, I don't, I don't look at them. At, well, what's your opinion on Instagram models? Uh, I don't know because that's not something I look at. I don't care. I, it's I, it's something I know that I don't want to involve myself in. What's the benefit to me? Also, right now the trend with Instagram models is big boob and big butt. I'm not really into either of those. You like you prefer a bigger dick, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, but no, but I, I, I think I think really the point is that you've got you got people that advertise themselves and they, and they're set, you know they're they're profiting or they're gaining attention off of their looks, and then you, you know, really like what's your interest in them? Is it to someone? 
gaining attention because of their good looks. What I don't like is people editing their looks to make themselves look better and then getting attention off of that. If you're really pretty, get attention for it, but don't fucking fake it. I'm going to take it a step further. Hold on, David, David, pause. David, David, let me ask you to pause. What James is saying is that, what are your thoughts on Instagram models? And James is saying, do it up, don't fake it. David, go ahead. I think it's all toxic. I think all of this, even if you don't know the person who's so pretty, according to James, again, not trying to shit on him, but you don't know if that person may or may not have an eating disorder or an exercise, literally uh, literally an exercise addiction. I assume oh, they do. A lot of the people who look like models, you look at them and like, that's not healthy. It doesn't look right for someone to be 35 years old and 115 pounds. It, like, it's kind of, it, it's almost worrying and it feels fake. I don't like. Here's, here, fair enough. Here's my perspective. What's nope. your goal? What's your goal? You get online, you're 27 years old, you're 32 years old, you look sexy as hell. What's your goal? What's your goal? Is your goal to make money until you're 40? Is your goal to make money and influence people and make money advertising dollars until you're 45? Or is your goal to find a partner? And then when you do, is your goal going to change? Is your goal going to say, hey, there's a car on the side of the road with a for sale sign on it. I bought the car. We're going to keep the sign in the window. Right? Like, she's that- that- What's that? Just don't understand this car analogy. The car analogy is the. We know Justin's the engine. <laughs> I'm not the engine. I'm a. I'm a component within the engine. The analogy that I'm making is you have somebody who's selling themselves online for whatever reason. You buy the product in, and I'm not saying you have ownership over a woman or you have ownership over somebody, but basically you've ended up in a relationship with somebody. So you're dating a stripper who's not a stripper, right? Is she stopping stripping? No, she's still stripping. I think you're changing the question to what do you think about influencers to what do you think about dating influencers? Oh, God, no. Well, I think you're right. And I think that's where the next step in that question is. What do you think of influencers? What do you think of dating influencers? Now, we're not talking about influencers. We're talking about models, right? So difference on Instagram. You're losing so much nuance here that you are missing. But my point is they're very similar. Yeah, I'm saying it's the same thing. And what well, I said last, what, what I said on Tuesday was I want nothing to do with influencers. Uh, I wish there were a plague that only only affected people with over 10 million followers on Instagram. That's my point. Is 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 you don't you don't really like you don't really like these people, and you wouldn't you wouldn't date them because I think it's a cancer on our country. I think that you have this ecosphere, and if you look at the top links that are generated by the same parent company of Instagram, Facebook has a lot of really interesting reckoning to do. They published a certain tool that said, hey, here are the people, the top 10 most interacted with links on Facebook for the last day, and it's always this right-wing conspiracy ecosphere, which is why I want nothing to do with any of it. It's all toxic, it's all terrible, it only engenders more ecosphere bullshit and more body toxicity, these body image issues. It's, it's terrible. What, what, what we are doing to young girls and what we expect of them is criminal.
I and I'm going to make it even more simple. I've talked at length about this in the past. I hate attention whores. But I think the the attention whore is a very good way to put that. And uh, you know, if you happen to see somebody who looks hot on any social media platform, and you like or you comment on their post, and then they message you back, and they say, "Hey, thanks for liking my post. How's everything going?" And then you start a conversation with them, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to be in your area. Like, you want to grab a drink?" And then you're like, "Okay, but where where is that going in your head?" Nowhere good, but I'm going to still do it because it's a story. Well, you're not. It's a, it's a story where you're not going to share that. It's, it's a story here. No, it's a story everywhere. No, no, no. You, you you underestimate how how stupid we will be to have a good story a year from now. Come on, let's talk about last night. I was gifted. <laughs> um, I was on. Yeah, a- what happened last night, my friends? No, you'll love this. I was on a date with a girl on Saturday night. Um, I had to fly out Sunday morning at 8 a.m. I had a this is this is very typical for you. You're like, oh, I found I found a person. She's great. I went on a date with her. I had to leave the country the next day because <laughs> whatever <laughs> my visa was expiring. <laughs> it's the love of my life, by the way. And the next week, the extradition treaty was going to go into effect, so I had to get the fuck out. So anyway, I have a date with this girl on Saturday night. It went all right, but like I had to be up at 7 a.m., so we went our separate ways. And I was like, I'm out of town for like the next week. I'll let you know when I'm back in Charleston. And so last night, I sent her a message, and I was just saying, like, hey, good, like, enjoyed the date on Saturday night. Like, how's everything in Charleston or anything? It started a conversation, and the derv suggests she's like, what if you fly her out to San Diego? I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. So I offered to fly her out to San Diego at my expense. I'm like, if you want to come out, like, Derv's got a two-bed, two two-bath apartment. We've well, got places to stay. I was going to pay half just to see how horribly this went. Yeah. So, like, and she didn't say no. I need to reach out to her and see if she's still interested. But I was like, you know what? I've known this girl for all of two and a half hours. Sounds like a good idea to fly her out to San Diego. Because what's the worst that'll happen? It'll be a hilarious story. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You met somebody you liked. You're out there. You're... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It, it's a little insane. Well, Justin, after the pod, after the cast, we can show you my new apartment and see, like, hey, no, it's a block away from the beach. This would be awesome. You can come hang out here for a week. We're fun. You from New York? Uh, South you Carolina. shouldn't. You shouldn't have to sell it, and I wouldn't offer to pay right off the bat. I probably would have paid, but not right off the bat. On that note, though, guys, let's uh, let's wrap up because we're hitting the hour mark. Uh, <laughs> David, James, stay on line. We got um, obviously at Rush's apartment. I got to get moving though. I got to get back to Jersey. But stay on line, guys. Uh, for the cast, though, this is episode 118. Thank you, uh, thank you guys for joining. Do not, please, do not forget to subscribe. If you're listening to our voice now, you got to go to Apple Podcasts. You got to go to Spotify. You got to get your audio podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Search Sip Talk. Search Sip Talk. Even if you don't even listen to our full podcast, go there, hook us up, help us out. We will appreciate you. And don't forget, going to YouTube, clicking that subscribe button, and following our Sip Talk podcast. We're going to start bringing some cool shit out there. Some, uh, some what, what do you call it, Rush? Yeah, I got clothes and glassware and cool shit that says Sip Talk on it. What's that? Conclusion. 
paraphernalia. We're going to have some cool paraphernalia coming out. Not drug paraphernalia, more or less. Um, but stay tuned. Thank you, guys. And uh, on that note, adios. All right, my friends, that concludes this episode. Thank you for joining. I will see you guys next time. If you have not already, please subscribe. Please make sure and throw a comment out there. I'd love to uh, know that you're out there. You've made it this far. I'd really appreciate that. And uh, that's it. See ya. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.